I'm always on the lookout for stories that will inspire and motivate you to create change in your life. And I want to introduce you to women who can show you the way. Hi, this is Candy O'Terry. Welcome to the story behind her success. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to do what they did in order to achieve success, but it does mean that their experiences are empowering examples that it can be done. In the spotlight, a woman who has spent her entire life terrified of sharks. So in midlife, when she was feeling lost and depressed, she started swimming with them. Now, this story stopped me in my tracks because my number one fear in life is sharks. The book is called Resurfacing, Sisterhood, Sharks, and Storms. Her name is Laura DeSisto, and this is her story. I started out our interview by asking Laura how her deep-seated fear of sharks took root in the first place. I had just an absolute love affair with the ocean from a very young age. And what changed all that, unfortunately, was the day that I went to see Jaws in the theater with my friends. I'm old enough to have actually seen it the week that it came out. And to say that it ruined the ocean for me is a huge understatement. I mean, my friends and I would no longer step foot in the ocean. It wasn't just me. If I was in a pool, I was looking for shadows. I mean, it was pathological what that movie did to me. It's funny on the one hand, but it's sad on the other hand because it robbed me of my love for swimming in the ocean. It was very sad. My dad was, you know, a man of the sea. We had a sailboat. We would spend our summers sailing all over the Cape and Islands. What really made matters worse is the fact that we would take our bikes in Edgartown and actually, you know, end up on the Jaws Bridge. So it felt personal to me. It didn't feel like Amityville. It felt like you know, this is really, this is, this is personal. <laughs> and that stayed with you for your whole life. Yes. The title of your book is really a snapshot of the story. It's Resurfacing, Sisterhood, Sharks, and Storms, a Memoir. Let's talk a little bit about the parts here. So first we have sharks. Talk about sisterhood. The sisterhood part refers to my friendship with these two women who are an integral part of my life and the story. And one of them, her name in real life is Buffy, is the woman who introduced me to diving. She's still a really big part of my life. And as a lot of women and men both, you know, especially as you get older, you start to feel like your friends are your chosen family. And these women certainly are my chosen family. You know, I love my sisters also, my two natural sisters, but that's why I said sisterhood, because I think it kind of refers to the fact that they're not related by blood, but they're a part of my tribe. What I try to do in the book is capture the dialogue and the banter and how we speak to each other. And I think I refer to our friendship as being so comfortable that it's like the fat pants you put on at the end of the day because... <laughs> the most forgiving pants ever, yes, right? Yes, <laughs> exactly. I describe this one scene in the airport where we were trying to rush to make a connection and we were just swearing at each other and, you know, <laughs> laughing and just the joy of that. You know, I still feel it in my bones as I talk about it right now. And storms. Yes. It hasn't been an easy ride. The storms part, actually, in the title is both real and metaphorical. 
metaphorical in the sense that we all have storms in our lives. And, you know, this memoir captures about a 10-year period of my life. And so I describe the different storms that took place then, one of which is that, unfortunately, one of the women that I'm talking about, the one of the three, became quite ill with breast cancer. And we walked her through that. What was the impetus for you to start taking scuba diving lessons? Well, that gets back to the sisterhood part, because I had been saying for years that I wanted to try it. And I don't know about you, but I was a huge Jacques Cousteau fan. So at any rate, Buffy, she was an avid scuba diver and still is with her husband and teenage son. And she'd come back from these trips and show us videos. And over time, I just kind of that that drumbeat came back of, you know, those childhood dreams. And I think it must have been obvious to her that I was pretty depressed when my kids left the nest. And so she just kept nudging me. And one day she said, that's it. We're just going to go to the Bahamas and try it. And before I could really think too much about it, I agreed. <laughs> she probably made the reservations yes, and said, yeah. this is your flight and we're going. Yes, yes. She's like that. Tell a, me about that moment way. when you're in the Bahamas and you've got your gear on and you're underwater for the first time. Mm-hmm. I didn't ask too many questions. Stupidly, I thought that even though I knew there were sharks in the Bahamas, I just assumed if you're taking a brand new diver who's only been training for an hour in the pool for that program, Discover Scuba, that you can do at these resorts, that you would never take them to a place with sharks. And I describe the scene in the book where the dive staff ties the book up to the mooring, and I look over and I see this dark shape under the surface of the water, and I asked the dive master who's about to take me in the water, what's that? And he looks over and he says, oh, that's a shark. <laughs> Laura, what did you do? I froze. I really almost didn't go through with it. I don't know how I did. I'm I, having a heart attack right here. I know. I think I was just on autopilot. I mean, my husband and I, by this point, disclaimer, had started to go on little warm weather trips like to the Caribbean or whatever with our three children. And so I had gotten used to the idea of being back in clear, warm water. But we were in places where you would never see a shark. So it just didn't occur to me that this would be the case. Hindsight's twenty twenty. The fact is the Bahamas is the shark capital of the world because sharks are protected there and they are everywhere. So how did you get in the water? I don't know. I think I squeezed my eyes tightly. The dive instructor was this big, strapping, handsome Bahamian who just exuded confidence, and he said, it's going to be fine, and I just... Believed it, him. I, I, it was as if I was I had a parachute on my back, and he was accompanying me. I just trusted him. So now here you are in the water, mm-hmm. and in your first diving experience, there's a shark nearby. Not just nearby. I thought the shark had swum away before we jumped in. Whether it did or didn't, I don't know. There's a lot of commotion that goes on. If you've ever tried diving, it's almost like a violent, when you first get in, you know, the ocean is can be churned up and it's in your ears, it's roaring. There's bubbles, especially if you're not used to diving. The first maybe 10 times I jumped in, it just, it feels like you're in this other, you know, worldly experience. So I wasn't really focused on sharks. I was focused on just staying alive and getting down and everything. And And remembering all the things you just learned. Well, they don't teach you a lot in that first Discover Scuba. When you get trained is when you really learn all these things. So when I watched the video that the dive shop sells you after, I could see that this dive master was adjusting all my equipment. He was doing everything for me that I would eventually learn how to do on my own. So we get to the bottom. And he gives us the hand signals to check that we're all okay. There's maybe four or five of us. 
And he starts to swim off, and he kind of gives us the signal, follow me. I mean, he's right there with us. He's not far off. And so I am, like, glued to him. I mean, I'm the first one right behind him. I could touch him if I needed to. And so he stops behind this coral head, and I stop with him. And we've got our knees on the sand. We're maybe 40 or 50 feet down. And I look off in the distance, and I see this dark shape. And I think, huh, I wonder what could that be? And it gets closer and closer and closer. And eventually, I realize it's a shark. And it's coming right at us. It came closer and closer and closer. And I mean, I'm not kidding you. Eventually, it was within probably one or two feet of us. To the point where I could see its eyes looking at, like you, I could see, <laughs> not, they don't really have the whites of their eyes, <laughs> but I mean, I could see into its eyes. Right before it sort of touched us, it, it veered off and swam away. I haven't even breathed through the entire story, just so everybody knows. My mouth, Laura, tell the people, my mouth has been hanging wide open. You have just described my worst nightmare. Did your heart stop beating? Like I always say to myself, I will have a heart attack before it bites me. Well, I do remember my heart pounding. I do remember. You probably that. heard it. You could probably hear it yeah, in heart. my ears. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay, so then he veers off, and then you guys resurface, and tell me what happens next. Well, we continued with the dive after that. Oh, it's not Jesus, as if... Mary <laughs> I know. So it's not as if, you know, the dive instructor was thinking, we better get out of here, you know? So I'm like, okay, I guess this must happen. I don't know. But here's the thing. In the moment that it happened, I was not afraid. After it veered away, my biggest emotion was fascination and wonder the fear dissipated it was like this creature of god i can't explain it they are magnificent creatures and they've survived you know millions of years they're just incredible how big was this shark i would say about eight feet so you had this wonderment moment mm -hmm. and obviously you continued with your scuba diving and became a very skilled scuba diver. Can you tell us about some other experiences that you've had underwater? Have you seen more sharks? Not only have we seen more sharks, we started actively seeking them out on these trips you can take with trained shark feeders. So just to back up a little bit, my husband got certified in diving. I finally convinced him. I mean, he wasn't really as afraid of sharks as I am but he had the, sort of the same experience. Like the first time he went down, he was like, this is cool. Like, this is really something different. Let's do this. So we started doing it together once he got certified. We went to Bimini. The island of Bimini in the Bahamas has a group of great hammerheads, which are endangered of, you know, being extinct. And they're there consistently. They are absolutely enormous and there are companies that will take you out to where they are, they know where they live, and they go down with a metal box and they put chum in it, you know, fish heads. And the sharks start to circle around and the, the I would be considered a guest, my husband and I would be like the guests. We kneel down in a line and the dive company gives you these sawed off PVC pipes. And before you get in the water, they say if a shark gets too close, poke it in the nose. They're very sensitive to that. So when you first get down, the sharks, you can tell their awareness is very heightened by the blood in the water from the fish and the chum. And this is, their, this is what they want. This is their main food. They don't want to eat people. 
And so they're very, they're kind of like looking around, a little confused. They're all worked up, sort of like dogs in a dog park if somebody threw treats out. And so they're circling around, and they do get very close to you. And there were a number of times I had to poke them in the snout, and I write about this in the book. And it was a little scary. I'm not going to lie. But eventually they find the bait, and then they're done with you. So that was one really incredible experience. And then another incredible experience, which we did, which I'm about to repeat early January with my youngest son. God bless you, my friend. Now a certified diver, is we dove with tiger sharks. They're Um, very aggressive, am I right? I hate to use the word aggressive because I'm such a shark lover now. They're opportunistic. They're huge. They're slower compared to other species And so they've evolved to have to be opportunistic eaters. If somebody reels one in or it dies and they autopsy it, they'll open up their gut and they'll find, you know, license plates and crazy things that they've tried. They will try to eat anything. The good news is because they're so slow, you can see them coming and you have time to ward them off with your hand in the nose or the PVC pipe. They're not looking for a fight. So you have to go with a very safe company. You have to go with a well-trained company that gives you all the instructions. They have safety divers behind you. There have been accidents, not with the companies that we go with, but with other companies that are less scrupulous and with people, guess who don't listen? When they tell you to not stand up, it means don't stand up. When they tell you to keep your head on a swivel so that you can see if a shark's behind you, That's what you need to do. And as long as you follow the instructions, you're safe. How did doing this change you? Because you just described yourself now Mm -hmm. as a shark lover. Mm -hmm. And once upon a time, you were a little girl who didn't want to get into the water after seeing Jaws. There is something about the experience of facing down one of your biggest fears that really does change you on an elemental level. And what is so cool about it is, you know, I've been a writer my whole life. I'd always wanted to write a book. Always, always wanted to write a book. I never really quite had subject matter that I was excited enough about. And when all these things kind of came together in a short period of time or all these experiences transpired, all of my friends and my family were saying, you should write a book about that. Nobody will believe this. Write a book about this. And so one day I sat down and I started writing and it just kind of It fell out. out. Mm-hmm. You got your start in the advertising business. I want to talk a little bit about that. Mm -hmm. Tell us about your career there, because writing provocative, memorable, persuasive copy, that's an art, but it's very different than writing a book. It's very, very different. And that was one of the challenges that I had. Every time I started to write a book, I just, quite frankly, I didn't know how to do it. Give me a short ad to write. But the prospect of sitting down and writing 60,000 words, which I believe is what this is or more, was so daunting. And the problem was I'd start to write it and then I'd go back and I'd start to edit sentences on a granular level, which you can get away with with an 800 word or 1,000 word magazine article. So I actually needed to get training in how to do this. So I sought out a book coach, then I sought out an editor and Those things were invaluable. I could not have done it without their help. They gave me a way to structure it. You know, I was told very strictly to not edit the rough draft, not even a sentence until I got done with it. And now that I've done it, I feel like I can do it again and I want to do it again. But I couldn't do it without the training. 
They say that we learn something from every job we have. What did you take with you from the advertising business that you have brought into being an author? I think all good writing shares similarities, clarity, crispness, cutting out unneeded words. Someone said to me once when I was writing for advertising that I should think about every word costing me $5. And how can I take out those unwanted words? Let's talk a little bit about your personal life. Tell us, how did motherhood change you? In short, I would say that motherhood helped me to grow up and to grow into the person that I was meant to be. Now that the kids are older, what's so cool is just how they become your friends and how they become your teachers. I learn so much from my children all the time. I, and I, they are three people I'd rather spend time with than almost anyone in the world. So I have so much gratitude for having had the experience of raising my kids. I feel blessed. So when they left the nest, it was devastating for me. I was depressed. I guess what I want to know is, if you became depressed, how did you get through it? By learning how to scoop dive. I think that Buffy probably could see that I needed to be pulled out of my empty nest. I think she threw me a safety line and took me diving. And maybe she didn't realize it at the time, but it just changed everything. In conquering this lifelong fear, what has been the biggest lesson for you? I sort of wish that I had done more when the kids were young to keep the flame alive in me for things that I loved or dreams that I had as a child. I don't think that you have to do everything all at once or in a big way. I don't think it's the destination, it's the journey. I think it was Howard Thurman, the civil rights leader, who said, find what you love because it will make you come alive and the world needs more people who've come alive. I'm getting to that age where it would be really easy to just kind of sit back and say, I've done what I've done. You know, maybe I'll do a few scuba diving trips now and then, but it's time to just pause. I think that would be a big mistake. I think some of our best years are our later years. I have a lot more to offer. I want to be an example for my children. And I want to keep doing things that scare me, like this interview, for example. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not scary, am I? A little, well, no, not as a person, but just the whole concept of sitting down with someone like you that I've listened to you know, for years on the radio is, is a thrill, and it is a little intimidating. It makes, you know, my heart was pounding a little bit as I was walking into the studio today, kind of like diving for the first time, and that's good. That's a good feeling. So much easier than swimming with a shark, though, am I right? Well, maybe. <laughs> Next three questions, Laura. We ask everyone who's a guest on our show. When an obstacle is in your path, how do you get around it? Well, for better or worse, I tend to go right at things. You give me a problem, I act. I go right at it. What's the best piece of advice that you've ever received, and can you pass that along to our listeners? So I describe this scene in the book where... We're in Bimini where, you know, the next day we're going to do our crazy hammerhead shark dive. And we're told that there's this really cool museum of sorts called the Dolphin House. So up the hill we go and we come to this place. I can't even describe it. I mean, this man, it's been his life's work 
to put this place together with found objects. I mean, shells and sea glass and just unbelievable stuff. So he takes us on our little penny tour through the whole thing. And then we end up in the gift shop, right? Exit through the gift shop. We're standing there and he's got this collection of of books like Hemingway and all these things. Well, it turns out this man from Bimini got educated at the University of Wisconsin. He just had this unbelievable background. So we're standing there and he says, oh, I see that you like Hemingway. And I said, I do. He said, look up on the ceiling. So I look up on the ceiling and he has handwritten a quote from Hemingway that says, write hard and clear about what hurts. And that's inscribed in the front of my book. And that's what I did. It it wasn't easy. Uh, There's a lot in here that hurts, but I tried to write hard and clear about it. Final question. And Laura, thank you so much for sharing your story. And it's been such an honor for me to get to know you and to sit across from you for this interview today. Right now, in this chapter in your life, what does success mean to you? Well, I think I go back to that Howard Thurman quote trying to do things that make you come alive because you have the sphere of influence, I believe. And I believe that there is a domino effect. Maybe you're having a great day because you spent the morning writing. You know, you're doing what makes you come alive. And then you take a break and you go to Starbucks and you see (laughs) someone and you're in a good mood and, you know, you smile and then they take that home. I think it's all of our responsibilities to as much as we can to try to just to be happy. And do what you love. Yes. And that's the story behind her success for this week. My thanks to Laura DeSisto, author of Resurfacing, Sisterhood, Sharks, and Storms. Check out her website, lauradesisto.com. I'm always on the lookout for the next woman to profile. So if you know someone I should feature on the show, will you let me know? Just go to my website, candyoterry.com. That's candy with a Y, -Y O-T-E-R-R-Y.com. I'll have a new, inspiring story for you next week. What's your story? I can't wait to hear it.